Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. Every time I read this book, and it's not just Revelation, but every time I read this book, something new comes out of it. And I'm just like, God, you are so awesome. And you know, we were t- I was talking with my wife the other day about how as we look into things, you know, normally, according to evolution, the deeper you go, the less organized it should get. But that's not the case. The deeper we go, no matter what it is, studying our human bodies or animals, whatever, the more complex it gets. And that's because God designed it. God created it. God put it on this earth. He put you and me here. And I believe we are some of his best handiwork. Amen? You can brag a little bit about humanity. We're pretty awesome. We were created in his image. So today, I wanted to go over what I talked about the first week, just briefly. The book of Revelation reveals things to come. Revelation reveal. The apocalypse, which is what the book of Revelation is all about, is from the ancient Greek, and it simply means and uncovering. So as we look at the book of Revelation, God uncovers what is to come. And I believe, as Pastor Roger said earlier, that we're, we're close. We are so close. The book of Revelation is from and about who? Jesus Christ. He is what this book was intended to do. He was, He is, and He is to come. And He's He actually says this several times in the beginning of Revelation. Finally, the book was given to Paul, I'm sorry, given to the Apostle John in his later years. We feel like he was somewhere around the age of 96-ish when this book was given to him. He lived to be about 100, according to uh, historians, so we don't know exactly when he died, but we do know that he was an old man and he lived a good life. I'd like to just start with prayer so you can bow your heads where you're at if you would lord we are humbled to be here today to be in your presence to be called king's kids each one here if they put their trust in you is a child of god and lord i ask that you would just give us ears to hear eyes to see what the spirit wants us to hear and see lord help us to understand this book help us to take this message to our community, to Gaylord, to Michigan, to the nation, and all around the globe. Help us to be a blessing to others, Lord, as we try to follow you and do what you commanded us to do, that is, to obey everything you taught us. And Lord, today we commit this short time into your hands, and we pray this in the precious name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. 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 Revelation chapter 1, and I'm going to jump to verse 4, even though I already read this, I feel like I need to say it again. You ready for this? Okay, here we go. And we're going to go to the next one because I don't have control of it again. So, there we go. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, which is, by the way, now western Turkey. 
Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. There again, you see where Jesus says this about himself. From the sevenfold spirit, or seven spirits in some translations, uh, most believe that these seven spirits are actually the seven attributes of the Holy Spirit. They're a part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, that stand before his throne, verse 5, and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. Some have, have said, well, he wasn't the first one to rise. Lazarus rose from the dead. But he was the first one to rise and not die again. And so just so you understand what he was saying there. All glory to him, who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Poke your neighbor and say you're a priest of God. Every single one of us are priests. Because the living God lives in you. And everywhere you go, you should take the Spirit of the living God with you. Everywhere you go, you should speak the words of the living God. And we'll get into this in just a minute, but they're living words, aren't they? The Bible is chock full of living words. Amen. So you're all priests. Verse 7. Look, He comes with the clouds of heaven. And everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn him. Yes, and amen. Now, if, if you don't notice this right away, what happens here is he first says amen in Hebrew, and then he says it in the Greek. That's how important this is. That's why he's saying yes and amen. He was so excited. Jesus is coming back. Hello? You know, if he wasn't coming back, it'd be pretty boring in here. Because we'd have nothing to look forward to. We'd have no hope. We'd have no recollection of what's next. But we know he's coming back. I'll be back, he said. The other thing that, that we need to understand here, that we need to see is that when he comes back, he's going to be in the clouds. Now there's another part to this. We call it the rapture. I believe that the church is going to be raptured up at the blowing of the trumpet, in the twinkling of an eye. The dead in Christ will rise first, then all of those who are still alive will be caught up to meet him where? In the air. In the air. That's going to be, nobody's going to know when that day comes. It's just going to be boom. And that's when the time clock starts ticking down for the seven-year tribulation. And then at the end of that seven years of horrific events that are going to take place on this planet, that's when Jesus is going to come back where? In the air. And they're going to see him because it says they're going to mourn. Now, why would anyone mourn when Jesus comes back? Because they didn't allow the blood of Christ to wash them clean. And so they're going to be broken and they're going to realize, oh man, I messed up. I put my trust in something 
other than where I should have put it. And they're going to pay the eternal price for their sins. Pretty exciting, though. And guess who's going to be with them? Now, I don't really understand it. We're like part of his train. I don't get it, but they're going to be thousands, tens of thousands of Christians behind him when he comes, along with his angels. We're hanging with the angels. We're going to talk about them in a minute, too. When we start looking at the supernatural, enjoy the moment. How many know God is so awesome and so big and so huge? He is a mystery. We cannot understand everything there is to understand about Him. I've heard people try to explain the Trinity to me. It doesn't make sense. Why? Because we're finite. We don't, we're not omniscient. We don't understand everything. And God is way bigger than us. So we can give Him that one, that the Trinity cannot be understood, at least as we stand here today. Now, when we get to heaven, I have a feeling it's going to make complete sense. And we're all going to understand it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. How can that be? You can ask God when we get there. Because I don't think anybody's really come up with a good analogy of what that means. Look, He comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see Him. Those who pierced Him. Oop. Oop. I was in the right one to begin with. And all the nations of the world will mourn him. Yes and amen. I already said that, didn't I? I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Now, you know that the first letter of the Greek alphabet is Alpha and the last Omega. So what is that saying? I'm the beginning and the end and I filled in everything in the middle. There's nothing that Jesus didn't take part in. He designed it. He built it. And he loosed us on the earth. And he took care of that wicked thing that happened in the garden, that sinful thing. He took care of it so that we could spend forever with him. Which was his original intent. Was that he'd fellowship with man. The Alpha and the Omega. Says the Lord of God. And then he says, I am. Where would we hear that before? An Old Testament reference to who? The Father. Right? Here we go. See, this is the mystery thing again. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. And the Almighty One is always a reference to the Father. But Jesus is the one saying it. Look, I don't get it. I'm just being frank with you. I'm not frank, I'm Norm. I'm being Norm, but I'm just telling you that the Trinity is this, this being, all in one, that's very difficult to make sense of. But we know that God is one God. Scripture is so clear on this, but in three persons. And here we see the Son, the Alpha and the Omega talking about this. The Great I Am, the Almighty God, etc., Verse 9, I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering, and in God's kingdom, and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. Look, 
If you tell people about Jesus and you get a whooping, you get a spanking from somebody, so what? You know, John, he didn't talk. He could have said, I am the apostle John. Listen to me. Uh -uh. What did he say? I'm a brother. I'm a fellow laborer who suffered because of my testimony about Jesus. We all should be getting a little bit of suffering when it comes to our testimony about Jesus. Because if nobody's pushing us, if nobody's getting upset with us, then we're not doing what we're supposed to do. As a believer in Christ, we need to be telling our friends and our family about Christ. We need to be getting them to church, not going to the baseball game with them on Sunday. Ooh. I say that out loud. When family comes to visit, bring them to church and say, look, I'm not missing Sunday. Now, I'm not talking about vacations. We all take them. But I'm talking about, get there. Look, if you tell them, and I've had this happen, if you tell them, I'm going to church, sometimes they'll say, well, can I go? Or a better way to say it is, hey, I'm going to church. Would you like to join us? Awful quiet in here today. Well, what if they start jumping on me? Hey, you're always talking about that Jesus. So what? Better to hear about it here than in hell. If they don't know him already, then it's a different thing if they do. You don't have, you're not pressured there, but they don't know Jesus. Come on, people. Time is short. How much longer do we have? I don't know. Only the Father knows. But when he says it's done, it's going to be done. And I believe that day is coming soon. Can I get an amen, Brother Bill? <laughs> Love you, brother. Verse 10. It was the Lord's day. What? What's the Lord's day? Sunday. Sabbath day was Saturday. This is Sunday. This is the day Jesus rose from the dead. And many say the early church celebrated the Lord's day on Sunday so they didn't have to mess with their brothers who were celebrating on Saturday. So it was almost an appeasement kind of thing. But nevertheless, I think Sunday's a great day to worship the Lord. I was worshiping Him in spirit, or in the spirit, some translations say. Suddenly I heard, a, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book or on a scroll, because back then obviously He didn't have a book, everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now what I want you to note here is that all of these churches are listed in the order that a messenger would go to from the island of Patmos. So Ephesus was first, it was about 40 miles away, and then it would just be a natural hop through all the other six churches. Make sense? God is organized. How many know that? There's no chaos in God. Chaos is here. Chaos is brought on by sin. You look at the, the, the universe, and, and a lot of our astronomers say there's chaos out there. No, there isn't. Promise, I promise you, God has everything under control. 
You may think it's chaos, but not with God. He's got a handle on it all. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. Standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, or like a Son of Man. And by the way, this term was only used by Jesus. He, he called himself the Son of Man. So who are we talking about here? Jesus. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. I didn't know this until I started studying this, that that sash, a lot of times when you're wearing a robe or some kind of garment, at least back then, they wore it around their waist, right? So they were working. When they worked, they had it around here, but when they went into their official capacity, it moved up here. Or it can be draped this way, as sometimes we see. So understand that Jesus did his work. He accomplished what he was supposed to accomplish. And it's no small wonder that there are seven churches, there are seven lampstands, there are seven angels. What is the number seven? Completion. Jesus completed what he came to complete. And now we're just waiting for the end of this whole thing to manifest. Got to figure out where I was at here, sorry. Here we are. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. There's a lot of similarity between who John is describing here and who Daniel described in chapter 10. I want to tell you, if I saw this person, this being, I'd be freaking out. I'd be just like John. You see what happens next. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. His face was like the sun in all its brilliance. That's freaky. But John had to just be going, wow, what I eat today. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. <laughs> That's probably what most of us would do. But he laid his right hand on me and he said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Amen. Hallelujah. We can rejoice in this. I can rejoice too in the fact that I have water up here and I'm thirsty. Jesus holds the keys to death and to hell. In the Old Testament, it's known as Sheol. In the New, Hades. As many of the scholars believe there were two compartments in Sheol or Hades. One compartment was for those who went to the grave in their sins. The other is for those who went to the grave in righteousness. So there are two compartments. When Jesus died upon the cross, He went and He removed the people 
from that second compartment, the ones that, were, that died in righteousness, that put their faith and trust in God. Because prior to his going to the cross, no one could go to heaven. Because they still hadn't gotten rid of their sins, hadn't been cleansed or washed away. Once Jesus died, he went into the, as, as Brother Ron said, wherever he's at, Brother Ron said it's also known as Abraham's bosom. And he removed those people from there, and now they're to be with him forever and ever and ever. So there's no longer that second compartment. We don't have to go there anymore, because as soon as we die, if we're washed in the blood, we're going to be with him. But there's another side to this. The ones that died in their sins. And we know that there are two compartments, and I, I wanted to share this briefly. Where am I? I did it again. Luke chapter 16. And I'm only going to read uh, verse 24 through 28. But what I want you to understand is that this whole passage here talks about this. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. Okay, this is the other compartment. This is the one reserved for those who don't put their faith and trust in the Lord. This man, this rich man, not all rich men are going to go to hell, all right? But this one had not put his trust in the Lord. So he's crying out, the torment is too much. How many really want to go to hell and be with your friends? If we understood, if we had just a glimpse, and some have been given a picture of hell, if we had a glimpse of what it looked like, we would run to God. We've got to realize there is a real hell, a real place of torment. And when the final judgment comes, Jesus comes back, we're with Him, we rule and reign, we'll talk about this in a minute, for a thousand years, and then the final judgment. What that final judgment is, is all those who have been put in this first compartment in hell, in Hades, they're going to the final resting place, which is hell, which is eternal, where there will be torment and the gnashing of teeth forever. Abraham said, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. Now he's here being comforted and you're in anguish. Besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Talking about hell. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Hell is real. It's not some country club where you're just going to go in and partay for eternity. It's a horrible, horrible place. Reserved for the fallen angels, but God has nowhere else to put us if we don't confess our sins and put our trust in Him. Serious stuff. He holds the keys to life and to Hades, to hell. Where you go is totally up to you. Where you spend eternity 
is totally up to you. Jesus already paid the price. But you've got to, you've got to confess your sins and repent and turn to Him. Amen. Write down what you've seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen or have already begun. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars. You saw my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. So listen to this part. The st- seven stars are the angels, and, and this word simply means messenger. They're messengers from heaven. They're obviously supernatural beings. And from what we understand of angels, they're very powerful. Then there are the seven lampstands that are the seven what? Churches. And this is very important that you catch this part because this whole next chapter is going to talk to us about the church. Actually, the next two chapters. Most agree that there are angels watching over us. Over this church. Over the church, capital C. There are angels doing battle for us. You and me. They're out there right now. And I started thinking about this the other day and I thought, what I do in my private time does it honor God? Because they're watching. I don't know, it's just something to think about. As you go to do those things that you know don't honor God. But back to the angels. I wanted to show you quickly, there is a war going on. Daniel talked about this in Daniel chapter 10. He, said, he was praying. He was asking for a miracle. And God finally sent a messenger, an angel, to him, and he said this. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. So from the very moment David be- David, Daniel began to pray, the Lord sent the answer. The very moment. But it took time to get to him. But for 21 days, the spirit prince, or prince, of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. (laughs) I kind of thought it was funny that the first angel left Michael, the archangel, (laughs) to fight the battle. But I'm I'm, I'm sure Michael could handle it. You know, he is an archangel. He is one of the chief princes, if you will. So, we see here that there is a war going on above us. And the angels are fighting for you and me. And our prayers release the power of God. All authority I've given you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Prayers matter. If you're going through something, get to our prayer meetings. Get in your prayer closet. Grab hold of the scriptures that speak to whatever it is you're fighting and fighting the word. That's what we're called to do. Hallelujah. (laughs) And like we saw in Daniel, the angels are here to protect us and to speak to us. See how far we can get here. Have you had enough or can I go? Go? 
All right. As we begin this, this message, the, the part of the message today that talks about the churches, the seven churches, I, I want you to understand that there are a lot of different things going on with each of the churches. First of all, and, and Jack Van Impey expresses this best, so I've just borrowed a little bit of what he said. Each church represents a different time period, and I'll talk about that as we get into each one. The second thing is that each church represents a literal church during the time that John was writing this stuff down. So we know that to be a fact. The third thing is it can also relate to us. Each of those seven churches represented something that the church will go through or is going through, and we could still be fighting against these things. So what I'm trying to say, not very eloquently, is Listen to what I'm about to read because every piece of this could relate to you. And Jesus, in the first three, he actually he, he does this. He gives him a pat on the back. Look, I know what you're doing that's, that's good. And he talks about what it is. And then he rebukes him. And then he starts getting into uh, what he wants them to do to repent. So listen to this carefully, if you would. Revelation chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. Again, we've already talked about the lampstands are representative of the church, and we know according to Matthew chapter 5, you, you, point at your neighbor, you, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Again, it's honoring the Lord with who you are. What, you know, he, he paid for your new man to come out, the born-again man or woman, he paid for that with his, his life, with his blood. How are we using this new life to honor him? Our light should be shining brightly. And if it's not, repent and turn around. Start using it as you were called to, to use it. Verse 2, I know all the things you do, and I've already talked about this, Again, most writers, they start out with the nice stuff and then they move into the spanking, if you will. Otherwise, a person wouldn't listen to them very long. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, Jesus was telling them. Each one of us can find something in this passage to hang on to, as with the other churches we're going to look at. Then he starts, he gave the attaboy, then he starts, I have this complaint against you. How many want to hear a complaint from God? How many want to be disciplined by God? But he loves us. And when he does this, it isn't because he hates you, it's because he wants you to turn so you'll be with him forever and ever and ever. 
I love this. This probably this part right here grabbed hold of my, my heart when I read it again. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Some of the versions say you've, you've lost your first love. And it hit me. God, I don't want to be that person. You know, it's so easy to get in the mechanics of our faith. And we forget what our faith is about. It's about a relationship. First with God, then with people. And if we forget that, we can be so mechanized that people don't even hear what we're saying anymore. We just sound like a, a machine droning on. That's how some of us sound. Because we've lost our first love. The Spirit is saying to the church today, if that's you, come back. Get back to your first love. Verse 5, look how far you've fallen. Ouch. Turn back to me. Do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. That hurts. <laughs> That's pretty serious. Is it not? I remember when I was first born again. I was so on fire for Jesus. And as an old Christian, I can't help but look back and say, what changed? Did God change? No. no. He's still the lover of my soul. But I changed. I got religious. I got mechanized. My heart has gotten hard. You know one of the prayers I pray most often? Lord, don't let my heart get hard. Soften it. But, but you're a pastor. You've been a Christian for 36 years. So what? You hang around with enough Christians for a while. See what it does to you. We aren't always those warm and fluffy, nice, loving people that we pretend to be in here. Just speaking the truth. And by the way, I love all of you. Even, 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 when, even when you're, you know, Paul didn't identify the thorn in his flesh. It could have been a person. Just saying, this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Who in the world are the Nicolaitans? Religious leaders. Yeah. You know, there's only one person Jesus ever identified as he walked the earth that he got angry with, and they were always religious people. Religious people. God hates religious people. And so did this church. They lorded over their flock. They told them what to do, what to eat, who to marry, how much they put in the offering every week. That's not our job. That's not our job. Our job is to show you Christ. 
Our job is to teach you how to read the Word of God and make that a regular practice. How to pray and make that a regular practice. But the application of God's Word in your life is between you and the Holy Spirit. It's not my job. It's not my responsibility to get you saved. All I need to do is present the truth and then it's up to you whether or not you accept it. It's the same with every person in this room. It's not your job to get somebody saved. All you need to do is lead them. You can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink. And that's what you have to remember when they get to that place where they realize they're at the cross, it's up to them whether or not to reach out and say, I need you. Forgive me. Hallelujah. I think this is pretty good stuff. Just a quick scripture, 1 Peter 5. Care for the, this is what God said through Peter. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. That is what I'm talking about. And Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, but I came to be a servant. That's what we're all about. All right? Now hear me, if you or someone you know attends a church where the leaders dictate everything that they're supposed to do or not do, run away. That's a cult. That's not from God. They are the Nicolaitans. And they're the ones God hates. It's a pretty strong word, but that's scriptural. All right? You with me? Anyone who has an ear, verse 7, must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. <laughs> What's that mean? We're going to be eating a lot of fruit. I don't know what this tree looks like, but I know He barred the way to the garden after Adam and Eve sinned, because they would have been in their sins forever if he hadn't. So that was good news. But there's tree of life in heaven. So somehow this tree of life is going to keep us going. Don't know what it is exactly. But it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. Hallelujah. Let's do one more. Church of Smyrna. Revelation 2, 8 through 11. Oh, I, didn't buy, I forgot to tell you that first church was 80, 30 to 80, 100, somewhere in there. That was the time frame that uh, Jack Van Impey says that they were, that church specifically was being addressed here. Revelation 2, 8 through 11, at the church of Smyrna is at the time of uh, 180 to about 312. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last who was dead but is now alive. You know, Jesus keeps going back to this. He doesn't want us to forget who he is. He's the only one. There are a lot of prophets out there that people like to clamor to. He's the only one that died and came back from the dead and stayed alive. Hallelujah. But I know your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. 
That's kind of like getting disciplined, isn't it? None of us wants it. I know what you're going through, the poverty, the torture you're facing, but you're rich, Jesus said. None of us wants to be this person. I want to be rich on this earth. What if you were called to be poor? What if the economy fell apart tomorrow? Would you run to God or would you run weeping and gnashing of teeth? Just asking. I hope none of you ends up being in poverty. I hope you never have to suffer. But if you do, know that you are rich in Christ. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you, he said. They say they are Jews, but they are not, because their synagogue belongs to Satan. There were people in the early church, wolves in sheep's clothing, they pretended to be Christian, but they were not. They denied the deity of Jesus Christ. If you ever want to know who the true cults are, find out how they think about Jesus. If they remove His deity, if they say, well, He's not the Son of God. He's just another prophet. It's a cult. Don't believe it. Run from it. Because it's a lie from the pit of hell. And these early Christians found these people in their, they snuck into their body and they spread all this garbage. Again, wolves in sheep's clothing. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Here's that part I don't like again. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for ten days. And, and, and I really don't understand. I'm guessing that this just means it's a temporary period. Ten days is a long time if you're suffering. And I have a feeling it means a lot more than that, only because how many of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world today are suffering for a lifetime? Some even giving their lives. They're suffering for those who put their trust in Jesus. I hope that we'll be kept from it, but if we're not, Will we turn to Him or run away from Him? If you remain faithful, He said, even when facing death, He said, I will give you what? The crown of life. There, have been, there were about 5 million Christians who were martyred in the early centuries. I can't even begin to tell you how many have stacked up over the ages. Some by the church, others from other faiths. But the real believers, the ones that have confessed Jesus as Lord, you got a target on you. You have a target on you. And that target could mean that you'll have to suffer. But Jesus said, don't worry about that. Don't fear it. If you'll make it to that place where your life ends, this body quits, if you make it that far, 
you're going to get an eternal crown. Would you stand with me? I'd hoped to get to a couple more back, but I didn't make it that far, so let me just move us down here if you would. Here we are. Those who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give the authority over all the nations. When Jesus comes back with his bride, we're going to help him govern this earth. And it's going to be amazing. We're going to have those how many have ever, I'm almost too old, but they're starting to create these flying cars. And I've got I to gotta admit to you, I'm a little envious. All right, I want a flying car. I have a feeling I'm going to have to wait till I'm in my glorified body because I, I just don't think I'm going to get there. Maybe, maybe not, but I mean, they're coming fast. But I believe that when Jesus comes, what he helps create on this planet is going to be simply amazing you watch and see and we're going to be right there with them some of us mayors some of us keepers of the lakes and the forests and I've said this before I just want to be keeper of a lake or a forest <laughs> and the fish <laughs> but whatever the fact is if we don't give up if we stay true to the call that God's put on us when that day comes, that either this body stops or the trumpet blows and the dead in Christ rise first and all that are living rise up to be with him in the air. We're going to spend forever with him. No more sin. No more backbiting. No more fighting. No more having to take this medication or that to keep the body running. No more anger. Good things. And the best part is we're going to be with Jesus. He's not a prayer away. He's right there. <laughs> Woo. I can't wait. And here's the other best part. We're all going to be there. Hopefully, most of us. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be there. Are you... Okay, I marvel at, I've, I've said this before, I marvel at this, but I often think, why would an unbeliever want to go to heaven when they don't spend a minute with the church or a minute with God before? But yet when they die, they want to... And that can happen. We, we saw that, right, with the, the thief on the cross, the one next to Jesus, just before he died, he repented. And what Jesus say? Today, you'll be in paradise with me. So there are last-minute conversions, but most don't make it that far. That's why I like to have the insurance, the Jesus blood insurance, that whatever I do, whatever stupid things I do, they're covered. And I don't intentionally go about doing them, but when I do them, they're covered. 
because I put my faith and my trust in none other than the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Would you bow your heads? You're here today, you'd say, I want that insurance. I want Jesus to wash my sins away. I'm not yet a born-again Christian, but I want to be today. I don't want to live another day taking that chance that I might not be able to do this. So I want to ask God to forgive me. I'd like to say a short prayer with you. If that's you, would you lift your hand so I can see you? Anybody here today need Jesus? Come on. Amazing. That's awesome. Absolutely wonderful. It says two things. One, everybody here is safe. Praise God. But it also says we're not doing our job. We need to get out there. We need to bring in the lost. The unbelievers should be sitting in this audience right here. This is a powerful message, a powerful series, and it's, not, it's just going to build. So get out there and invite people to church, if you would. Tell them, hey, you want to know about the end times? Get out here. Our pastor's preaching on it. How to end. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, this is where we need you. We always need you. I need you right now. Help me to close this service. Mm. Hallelujah. with this, could I ask, how many in this room feel that your light is shining brightly? Raise your hand. Okay. A lot of hands didn't go up. I'm just sensing that the Holy Spirit wants that to include all of us. If if I were to ask this next week or the the next. You know, and, and a lot of times it's just our concept of who God is. What does He want from us? First, He wants your soul. He wants your body. He wants your mind. He wants everything about you. But He also wants to use you. And sometimes He speaks to us in that soft voice that we could be in a loud room, but all of a sudden you'll hear that little voice say, go talk to that man or go pray with that woman. And I just sense that He wants to just impart something. If you would, would you just come up forward? I'm not going to lay hands on you. I'm just going to pray over you. But just come forward if that's you. You you want your light to shine. If you weren't able to already, and if you raise your hand and you still want more of that, get up here real quick, and then we're going to close. I don't mean to go long or over, but I just really sense the Holy Spirit is doing something, and I do not want to be the person that prevents that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I, I so, while you're coming, I so appreciate 
Rachel or, or any of the musicians coming up like this because it just adds. It adds to what's going on in this room. God uses music supernaturally. It's, it's awesome. Ah, oh, Jesus. If you love Jesus, then you can put your hands up in the air, both of them. All right, picture yourself. You're that funnel right now. God's going to pour him, himself out. You just, you just stay where you're at. You receive from him right now. Lord, we just thank you again for the blood of Jesus. For the love of the Father through the Son. And Lord, we know that you sent the Comforter, our Counselor. Lord, you sent him to empower us, to equip us for every good work, to bring glory and praise and honor unto your most holy name. Lord, for everyone that's up here, I pray just an infusion, a new infusion, a fresh infusion of your Holy Spirit. If they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, Lord, baptize them. If they are, fill them afresh and anew in the name of Jesus. God, we pray today that you would just begin right now each faithful person that has their hands lifted, just minister that touch. Anoint them, Lord, that their light will shine brightly like a flare in the middle of the night. Lord, their light will shine brightly and it'll be like a, a magnet to a piece of metal. It will be like the, the porch light to a moth. The people that are hurting, the people that are destitute, the people that need Jesus will be drawn to us in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we will be able to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and our light is going to shine brightly. Can you say that with me? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and our light will shine brightly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now give God the glory and the praise and the honor. I'm going to close and I'm going to just say I want you to look around here and grab onto somebody and say I'll see you in heaven wait a minute don't do it yet let me let me close first we'll get back to this message in two weeks next Sunday ah, Pastor Barb and I are preparing a special message for Mother's Day it's going to be awesome <laughs> You got the, the straight guy and the comedy guy. You can figure out who's who. But then the following week, we'll get back to this Revelation study. Also, if you know a vet, tell him to be here on the 28th. If you know somebody hurting, tell him to be here on the 28th. It is going to be a powerful, powerful service, including the color guard, including the guy shooting the guns. It's going to be amazing. And after all, Memorial Day is about fallen soldiers. That was what it was originally intended to do. We're going to honor them, and of course we're going to hear about Jesus in Network 211, which is it, it's a ministry geared toward the veterans. So be back here on the 20th if you can. Jesus, keep us safe. Bless our snackies. Bless our children who weren't in here to enjoy this great service, but I'm sure they had a great service. 
keep us alive and well. And Lord, help our lights to shine brightly. Now help us to hug on somebody that needs a hug, get to know somebody we don't know. We commit this church, our common ground groups, and everything else into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.